0: I promise to love, honor, and respect you.
1: I promise to love, honor, and protect you.
0: From this day forward.
1: Till death do us part.
0: I remember our wedding so well. It was a perfect day. My dress was amazing, and the flowers were beautiful. All of our family and closest friends were there, and I'd never been happier. I felt like a princess. The music, perfect. Decorations, perfect. Right before walking down the aisle, I remember looking to God and feeling so grateful for this man that he brought me.
1: I was scared to death. Everyone had to look at me in a suit. I don't even wear a suit, let alone a tux. I almost peed my pants. I mean, seriously, trying to do the nervous dance, couldn't even think until I saw her. The moment I saw her, she took my breath away and I never wanted it back again.
0: Our honeymoon was so much fun. We flew to Florida and spent a week on the beach in the sun. It was so relaxing. We walked the beach and stayed up late talking and getting to know one another. It was so great because we were so in love.
1: I bought her this beautiful amber necklace. It was perfect. The way it laid against, laid around her neck and against her skin. She was worth it. She had to have it.
0: And then we went home. (sighs) Once we got home, it was something strange started to happen. It was as if aliens came in the middle of the night and scooped out Daniel's brains and replaced them with gummy bears. Mm -hmm. Hey, honey, are those your dishes in the sink?
1: Uh, yeah.
0: You know we have a dishwasher, right?
1: Yeah, but you're so good at it. And honey, can you not uh, bother me with your silly things until commercial?
0: See what I mean? Gummy bears!
1: After the honeymoon, I had this sneaky suspicion that my wife was secretly taking foreign language classes because everything she said to me made zero sense.
0: Hey, honey, does this look okay? Uh, yeah. So you don't like the color? What? If you don't like the color, just tell me that you don't like it.
1: what What just happened?
0: Why do I even try when it doesn't even seem like you care when I do try?
1: But I do care.
0: Why don't you think I look pretty?
1: But I do think you're pretty.
0: You never say it.
1: Okay, I I think you're pretty. It
0: doesn't count when I tell you that that's what you're supposed to say. Well, how
1: am I supposed to know what to say when you don't tell me what I'm supposed to say?
0: (sighs) I can't believe you don't love me anymore. (sighs) Some days I wonder what I ever even saw in him.
1: Her breath in the morning could rip a man's face off.
0: He farts in the covers and then he holds them over my head. That is not okay.
1: She can't cook. I think she's slowly trying to poison me.
0: Two words, road rage.
1: Two words, shop a-hauling.
0: Did I mention that he still has his comic book collection from middle school?
1: She nags me about this comic book
0: collection. He's addicted to television. She's addicted
1: to purses. I mean, she has so many purses and she can never find any of them at her house. I mean, how can you not find any? They're this big.
0: I thought we were supposed to be on the same team.
1: I am on the same team, but I think you've defected and started working for your own team.
0: That doesn't even make any sense.
1: Well, you don't make any sense. Your
0: gummy bears don't make any sense. That's stupid. You're stupid.
1: Well, you made me this way.
2: Close to home? Yeah, we're about relevant and real, right? And uh, we're in the middle of a series uh, called From This Day Forward. And it's titled that way because uh, we absolutely believe that uh, if you're here this morning and you make five commitments in your marriage, the five commitments we're going to talk about each week, if you make these five commitments from this day forward, your marriage will change that God can do a work in your relationship from this day forward. And so that may feel like uh, pretty close to home for some of you. Uh, For others of you, uh, well, you're just not there yet. (laughs) And for some of you, you're already past that. Wherever you are in the scheme of things, uh, this morning we are going to talk about uh, conflict uh, in marriage. Last week we talked about the first commitment, and that was Seeking God. Remember that? Just seek God first. Put God in the first position. Put your spouse in the second position. But seek God first. And I gave you a simple challenge for the week. I hope you did it. I hope you just made that commitment that uh, at the minimum this week you just started praying for your spouse. Right? Uh, Didn't want to push you too far. The praying with may be too far for some of you. So just start praying for right and remember that spiritual pyramid just start praying for and as you grow in the praying for you'll come to a place that you can pray with because when you pray with you'll be doing the same thing you've been doing the whole time praying for does that make sense anyway give it a try make that commitment in your marriage today we go to commitment number two and that commitment is in our marriages we are gonna fight fair uh, we're going to have conflict, but when it comes, we're going to do it in the biblical way. We're going to fight fair. And the truth is, uh, unhealthy couples fight dirty. Healthy couples fight fair. But the bottom line is, all couples do what? Yeah, we do, right? Well, you, you, you shouldn't surprise us. Take two broken people and put them together, and what are you bound to have, right? I mean, we're we're just going to have conflicts in our marriage relationship. The question is whether we have them or don't have them. The question is, when they happen, how do we do them? Right? Healthy or unhealthy. So today we're going to encourage you to follow the biblical rules uh, around fighting fair, right? To just make the commitment in your marriage relationship uh, that you are going to simply fight fair. And this, these rules don't simply apply to marriage relationship. Uh, they also apply just to relationships, right? You're going to have conflicts in other relationships. Same principles can apply, fight fair, right? So if you're single, these work for you in other relationships. Uh, if you're engaged or, you know, plan to get married soon, uh, this is good stuff for you to do and make that commitment before you actually stand up and say, I do, Okay. But for those that are married, uh, let's get into the fighting fair uh, rules, right? And you know when when you have a boxing match, there's always rules around boxing, right? Like no eye gouging, no hitting below the belt, you know, okay? So when it comes to marriage conflict, uh, there's some simple rules as well. And these are rules that apply to us as Christ followers. And we're going to look at James 1. That's where most of them are going to come from, James 1. So get the half sheet out so you can follow along, take notes, uh, or get your word open if you got it to James 1. Get your app open, whatever works for you. But we're going to be at James 1. And notice James starts out in the 19th verse, and he says, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. So right away we know who he's talking to, right? He's talking to other Christ followers, right? My dear brothers and sisters. Now, this is an important distinction. If you're a Christ follower in the room, and and you have committed your marriage to Christ, when it comes to conflict in your marriage, you don't fight the way the rest of the world fights. And he starts out by saying, understand this. This is absolutely important for us to understand. we got to understand this commitment is vital it is absolutely important that we make this commitment that when we as Christ followers in our Christ-centered marriage when we have conflict we do it different than the way the rest of the world does because our conflict and how we do the conflict is a direct reflection of Christ so this isn't just some well okay pastor gave us nice little message on how to fight fair and isn't that cool and let's go home no this is, this is vital stuff. Understand this. Understand how you do this, how you do conflict in your relationship as a Christ follower is a direct reflection on Christ's. And other people will look at your marriage and they will understand either the power of Christ or the lack of the power of Christ in relationship by looking at you. Understand. Understand this, dear brothers and sisters. You got it? You get it? important stuff for us so let's go to the rules what's the rules rule number one rule number one from uh, the book of James is you must be what's the word quick to listen rule number one is listen quickly and carefully right you must be quick to listen it means that the first thing you do in a conflict is not speak but listen The first commitment, the first thing you do is you make the commitment that says I'm going to listen carefully and I'm going to listen first. Proverbs, great thing, says spotting off before before listening to the facts is both shameful and... Foolish, right? If you're in that place right now where, boy, your conflict starts and you just jump right in and you just get that that uh, those words flying out of your mouth as fast as you can to take the offensive, shame on you. I mean, that's what Proverbs says. Shame on you. I mean, think about this. Think about what it does when you don't listen to your spouse in conflict. I mean, you stood up there on that day you got married and you said, "Listen, I'm going to love you. I'm going to honor you. Honor you. I'm going to cherish you." Right? when you get into conflict and you don't listen, what message do you send to your spouse? Exactly the opposite. I don't even value you enough to listen to what you have to say. No, Proverbs, James says what? Be quick to listen. Why? We want to be quick to listen because we affirm this person is God's gift into our life. And we want to affirm that. We want them to know that. We want them to understand. They are of absolute value to us. And so the first thing we do is we stop, close our mouths, and we listen. Proverbs says, fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. No, our quick to listen, our first reaction, the first thing we do is just sit down and be ready to listen and as we listen carefully and intently after we've got done we do a little check-in and here's just a simple thing you can do in your conflict right first thing you do is listen and after you've listened and just listen don't jump in don't interrupt just listen right and after you've listened what you do is you listen and restate you listen to what your spouse has to say and you say okay I think I got it just to be sure can so this is what I heard you say So I just want to make sure I got it right. I've been listening. I just want to make sure I got it right. This is what you're saying, right? Simple thing. This is what you're saying, right? To make sure that you've been listening not only carefully, but accurately. We're not great listeners. So the first rule is be quick to listen. Listen and then check it out. Make sure you heard the right thing. Rule number two. Choose your words carefully. As you share and you enter into the conflict, make sure that you're conscious of the words that you choose. James says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen and slow to speak. Speak slowly, meaning take the time to think about what you're going to say. Make sure that the words that you share with your spouse are exactly the words that you want them to hear. If you look at Proverbs again, it says, too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and do what? Say it with me. Keep your mouth shut, right? There are times when we're in conflict. The best thing we can do is what? Just keep your mouth shut, right? Don't don't say those things that you shouldn't say, right? Words are powerful. And when those words go out, you can't reel them back in. Think about what you want to say. Be careful with your words. Make sure you communicate the most important of what you're thinking and what you're feeling. Proverbs, again, a truly wise person uses few words. A person with understanding is even-tempered. Few words. Say the most important words that you want to say. And one in doubt, what? Watch your tongue and keep your mouth, what? Shut. Keep it shut. Don't say that stuff. And you'll stay, what? Out of trouble. I like that. Is the Bible good or what? It's just straight at it, right? How do we do this? Okay, well, here's two questions that when you're in conflict, you just need to ask yourself, right? As you think about your listening and your speaking, and especially your speaking, right? First question is, should it be said? are the words that I'm about to speak really the words that ought to be said am I sharing what's really truthful am I sharing what's on my head and on my heart am I sharing accurately am I saying the things that need to and ought to be said don't throw in the peripheral stuff don't throw in the trivial stuff stay on topic stay with what the conflict is about don't go grab some other conflict of two years ago stay with the subject and stay pertinent is what I'm about to say something that should be said and then second is now the right time to say it should it be said now how many folks uh, couples have had that experience or five minutes before you're ready to go out the door to go to work your spouse says something that's a conflict subject Right? Amen? Happens? Don't do that. <laughs> right? Pick, pick the time. Pick the time to have the conversation so you can have that kind of conversation. Pick the time. So here is uh, some wisdom rules, some wisdom tips, not rules, wisdom tips for keeping your mouth shut. Okay. These are just simple wisdom tips for keeping your mouth shut. None of them should surprise you. Number one is when you're in that conflict watching your words don't don't call each other names, right? Just don't. You don't need that. Just don't call each other names. Two, don't raise your voice. You know, sit down, sit down on the couch, sit down at the kitchen table. It's a tool I often teach in uh, my premarital preparation. Is just sit at the table, look across the table from each other, and hold hands, and just keep calm, stay on subject, stay on topic. Don't raise your voice. Don't get historical. And no, that's not a typo, it's not hysterical, it's don't get historical, okay? Don't get historical. What's that mean? Stay on topic with the current issue that you're dealing with, the conflict you were dealing with. You can't reach back to something that happened two years ago, right? If you practice forgiveness, and that's going to be one of our goals, if you practice forgiveness, you forgive and you let go of that. So you can't bring up old dirt and pile it on to the current conflict. So don't get historical. Stay in the now and stay with the topic. Four, never generalize. Oh, that's right. Don't use the word I just used. Never and always. You never seem to. No, don't do that. You always. Really always. Right. No. Don't don't do that. Stay to the situation and use specific examples as you're in the conversation, right? So never just generalize. And five, don't threaten divorce. Remember where we started in James. What did he say? Understand this who? Dear brothers and sisters, if you're in Christ, if your marriage is in Christ, that's not even on the table. That's not, that's not part of the conversation. That doesn't even enter into the conversation at all. Get it out. Get it off the table. You belong to Christ. It shouldn't even be there. Follow? And the last one, my personal favor is, don't say pastor says right so you can't invoke pastor bob or pastor andrew in the course of your conflict and somehow get us on your side okay? that we're not in the conflict you know if you want us to come and show up and referee we can do that but it's not our conflict it's your conflict right so you can't go to the old well pastor bob said in his message two and a half years ago you know i mean you can not do that okay we're not in the fight it's yours Okay? So there's the wisdom talking tips. Are these okay, wisdom talking tips? Right. Here's a great rabbinic teaching, give you an image of the importance of listening, watching your words, and wrapping those two rules up. The rabbis used to say, the ears are open and out, they're unguarded, but the tongue is behind those ivory walls. Isn't that a great image? What does it mean? You ought to be listening twice as hard and twice as much, two ears, Twice as much, twice as hard as your speaking. And when you speak, make sure whatever comes across those teeth, that's what God wants you to say. You with me? Good image? Yeah. All right, rule number three righteous anger only, right? So when God made us, when God formed us, fashioned us, part of what he put into us is this emotional experience of anger. It's not a bad thing. It just can become a bad thing, right? Anger is a good thing. It, we ought to be able to display righteous anger. When something's happening contrary to God's will, contrary to God's desire, that ought to disturb us. That ought to get us discontent. That ought to raise the degrees of our frustration and our anger, right? There's such a good thing as righteous anger. There's also such a thing as letting anger take control. And so James says, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. When we get into our conflict, we got to make sure we stay on topic, we remain calm, and we don't let anger take a foothold. Ecclesiastes says what? Control your temper, for la- anger labels you a fool. Right? It's foolish when we think somehow letting anger, heightening the anger in our conflict in marriages is going to help our marriage. Yeah, obviously it won't. It can't. It doesn't. And so if that happens, if you start to get angry, you need to just be able to take a breath, step back, take a time out, whatever it is you need to do just to get yourself back into that level place where you can listen again and you can talk calmly with each other. Controlling controlling your temper is better than being a hero who captures a city, right? Better for you to go ahead and just take that break, step back, calm down, and then re-engage in the conversation calmly, right? Uh, Than having the blow up and the conflict, right? And here's a great one from Ephesians. You probably know this verse. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil right there's a time limit on our conflicts we need to resolve work to resolve our conflicts in marriage and paul says don't let the sun go down on your marriage you married couples you know what that looks like right so it's bedtime and you're still kinda in conflict and you're still frustrated and angry with one another and so you go to bed and one goes to bed on this side of the bed facing that wall and one goes to the bed on this side of the bed facing that wall right and you're back-to-back and there's a gap in between you right there's a gap and nobody should violate that gap right if anybody lets their foot kinda sneak over and touch the other person bad thing right don't do that right we're angry keep the gap right what's the problem with the gap the gap is what ephesians says is the very place that the evil one will crawl into your marriage. That gap you're holding on to, you're stern about, oh, I'm right, she's wrong, you're holding on to that gap. All you do is when you hold on to that anger and you hold on to that gap is allow the evil one a foothold in your marriage. And when he's in, he's hard to get out. So, Paul says simply, listen, don't do that. Don't let the sun go down in your anger. Make sure you work to resolve the conflict and just keep at it until you get there. Just make sure you get to that place where you resolve it. How do we resolve it? As we go through our conflicts, we employ rule number four. We're always eager to forgive. This is a great verse for us in Ephesians. It says, "Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words and slander." Sound familiar in conflict? Get rid of all that stuff as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, because you're a Christ follower, you have a Christ-centered marriage, instead be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. And I highlighted those words, "just" As, think about it, how did Christ forgive you? He went through some conflict. He went through the conflict experience of the cross. He listened obedient to the will of the Father. And he put you as more important than himself. And he accomplished your forgiveness. What if you do that in your marriage? What if you do that in your conflict? What if in your conflict you look for the eager opportunity to resolve the conflict and to just forgive? And when it's all done, not just that you're in this superior position of forgiving your spouse for something, but rather you put yourself in the humble position where you both ask God to forgive you that you both ask God to forgive you for anything you've done in your marriage relationship to mar his presence and to give the evil one a foothold. We ought to be eager, eager to let forgiveness rule over our marriages. We let it rule over our lives. It ought to rule over our marriages. Bottom line for us, we need to correct one big thing as we think about conflict in marriages. When the conflict starts, what happens? We get in this I'm going to win attitude. Been there? We get in the I'm going to win attitude. I'm right, she's wrong, I'm right, he's wrong, whatever it is, and we're going to win. We need to change that understanding because our conflicts do not have the goal of winning. Conflict in marriage, when it's a Christ-centered marriage, conflict in marriage is not about winning. It's about growing together in holiness. If you look at Ephesians again, it says, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. And don't bring conflict to God's Holy Spirit by the way you fight. The goal isn't to win. The goal is to grow your marriage to grow is the goal is to grow your relationship the goal is to grow in holiness you look at Ephesians 5 for husbands this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church he gave up his life for her to make her what holy and clean washed by the cleansing of God's Word the goal of the conflict is to grow your marriage to grow in holiness so when the conflict is done your marriage looks more and more like Christ.
1: I thought we were supposed to be on the same team. I am on the same team, but I think you've defected and started working for your own team.
0: That doesn't even make any sense.
1: Well, you don't make any sense.
0: Your gummy bears don't make any sense.
1: That's stupid. You're stupid. Well, you made me this way. (sighs) I'm sorry.
0: Sorry too. The purpose of marriage isn't to make us happy;
1: it's to make us holy, as the Lord is holy.
0: I made a promise before God to love, honor, and respect you, just as you become more like Him.
1: I made a promise to God to love, honor, and protect you, so that you can be more like Him. Like Him? Just like Him?
0: It isn't going to be easy.
1: No, nothing that is good is easy, but it's worth fighting for.
2: Father, we thank you today that uh, we have the gift of relationship and the gift of marriage. You're the great architect. And we just pray that uh, you'd help us today to make this commitment. We know know we're going to have conflict, but we want to make the commitment today that even in that conflict we can find holiness that can reflect you. Because our marriages aren't just like the world's marriages. Our marriages are Christ-centered, and they reflect you, and you work in them, and you work through them. So, Lord, help us, brothers and sisters, help us to fight fair, to grow through even conflict, to be able to serve one another and put each other first just as you, Christ, put us first. You forgave us at the cost of conflict. So, Lord, we ask that you would teach us in our conflict to truly be like you, to be eager to forgive and to seek the kingdom in all things. So we just pray, Lord, for all the marriages in the house today. We pray for all those marriages listening online. We pray for those that are preparing for marriage. Uh, And, uh, Lord, for those that are single and their other relationships, uh, teach us today. Teach us today to not speak and act like the world, but to be listeners, to be careful with our words, to seek the opportunity to forgive and to grow in holiness. We ask this humbly through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.